the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Love. Courage. Truth. Glenn Beck. Are you or a member of your family an illegal immigrant? Is ICE hot on your trail? Maybe you've just crossed the border illegally and you're not quite sure where the safest place to evade the cops are. Well, fear no more, because now Apple has a new app for that. The app is called Notify. It's described as a, quote, tool to protect immigrants living in the U.S. illegally by utilizing high-tech and online social communications, end quote. Okay, so I'm... I'm, I'm If an illegal immigrant is about to get arrested crossing the border or inside the United States, all they have to do is click on the app, click one button, and an emergency plan of action initiates. Lawyers and family members are notified and a predetermined plan executes. Another feature coming to the app soon is a heat map that shows where the arrests are being made. That way you can avoid those areas and stay hidden. This is fantastic. It actually sounds like it should be illegal, but you can download the app right now from both Google and Apple app stores. So now how does something that helps you evade the authorities get approved by both Google and Apple? Well, may I just point out, it probably has a little something to do with mm, money. It's always interesting to follow the money. So who is the organization behind this app? Well, it's a group named United We Dream. And United We Dream is a group that has 400,000 members. And their stated goal is to, quote, embrace the common struggle of all people of color. And stand up against racism, colonialism, colorism, and xenophobia. Now, a list of some of their biggest projects, DACA, the Dream Educational Empowerment Program, the Education Not Deportation Project, and this one has to be the most random on the list, the Queer Undocumented Immigrant Project. I guess they have that one in there so they can just check every single box on the social justice wish list. Anyway, back to the money. United We Dream. Now, who formed that? Well, it was formed in 2008 as an initiative by a group called the National Immigration Law Center, which turns out that they actually have two rich sugar daddies. The first one isn't going to surprise you. It's George Soros. The second one might surprise you. Uncle Sam. According to Judicial Watch, the U.S. government actually funded this group with over 200,000 tax dollars in federal grant money. And both groups, United We Dream and its parent uh, company, lists George Soros Open Society Foundation as its key financial backer. The progressives' radical agenda to fundamentally transform the United States is being handled with George Soros as usual, but now your tax dollars. 
We can't fund a wall. You know why? Because we're already funding an app that is helping illegal immigrants stay hidden. It's Thursday, May 3rd. This is the Glenn Beck Program. So I want to I want to get to uh, the Rudy Giuliani uh, stuff here in just a second. But, Stu, I would like to actually start with a little game. All right. Okay, tell me what these things have in common. Okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. Mitch McConnell, the Supreme Court, the Invisible State. I have more. Fathers, husbands, boyfriends, male bosses, Democratic documentary makers, voter suppression, Benghazi investigators, women protesters, Matt Lauer, the Republican Party, the media, Steve Bannon and Breitbart, the Democratic Party. Is it time for me to guess? Well, I have more, but you want to take a guess? No, not yet. Campaign finance, Netflix, Facebook, Twitter, content farms in Macedonia. (laughs) Is it time or? I have more, but I mean, you want to take a guess? I can. I I do have a guess. Uh, Things that can be described by words. (laughs) No. That you can't describe those things? That's not what I'm looking for. Television executives, misogynists. These these all have one thing in common. Misogynists. People wanting change. Uh, Bernie Sanders supporters. Bernie Sanders himself. The New York Times. Joe Biden. White women. Anti-American forces. The Electoral College. Everyone who just assumes. Barack Obama. The Russians. WikiLeaks. Low information voters. Bad polling numbers. Anything yet? You've listed James Comey. FBI. Vladimir Putin. And the last one. Let's see if I have it. I did the invisible state, right? Mm -hmm. And the last one. Capitalism. All things available on Earth? All things Hillary Clinton has said was uh, what caused her to lose the election. (laughs) So I was right. All things available on Earth. The latest is capitalism. (laughs) Have you heard what she said? Oh, my gosh. This is... Do we have the audio, Sarah, of, of Hillary Clinton yesterday giving an interview where she said, because I was said I was a capitalist is the reason why I lost. Listen. You may be the only uh, presidential candidate since World War II that actually had to stand up and say, I am a capitalist. <laughs> uh, and you did. Uh, did it hurt you? Probably. I mean, you know, it's, it's, hard, <laughs> it's hard to know. But I mean, if you're in the Iowa caucuses and 41% of Democrats are uh, socialists or self-described <laughs> socialists, and I'm asked, are you a capitalist? And I say, yes, but with appropriate regulation and appropriate uh, uh, accountability, uh, you know, that that probably gets lost in the, oh, my gosh, she's a capitalist. I, I mean, wow, what an omission. What an omission. Oh, my gosh. 
41% of Democrats in the Iowa caucus are self-described socialist. What an admission. The mask comes off and they say, they'll just come out and say, yes, I'm a socialist because this system doesn't work. There it is. There it is. I mean, and that, did you see how easily that came off the top? Yes. That was not a, that was not a stat she needed to look up. That was not something she wasn't, uh, which she was unfamiliar with. That is her realizing that half of her party identify themselves as socialists. But we were crazy conspiracy freaks for saying that. We were hateful. We were hateful. If you remember with Barack Obama, it was racist to say he was a socialist, Socialist. which never made any sense. Yes. That is a fascinating admission. First of all, she didn't lose to Bernie Sanders in the election. (laughs) So... uh, why she thinks this hurt her so much uh i don't know why i mean donald trump won the election if you remember and he pretty much is clear that he's a capitalist he's pretty, he is he is yeah. mr capitalism right uh and then on on the other side that just to, to admit that that portion that's phenomenal it's phenomenal it's and wild. you know even the question is can you play it again listen to listen to the question what an odd question to ask you may be the only uh, presidential candidate since World War II that actually had to stand up and say, I am a capitalist. <laughs> uh, and you did. Uh, did it hurt you? Probably. Stop. I mean, you know, it's, Who it's, asks that question? it's... Who asks that question unless mm. you were kind of a socialist yourself? <laughs> you know what I mean? Or unless you at least recognize that the Democratic Party is almost all socialists now. Who asked that question? I don't know. That's would a- you ever? Would you ever think of asking somebody? Do you think that you know when she said or that anyone said that they were a capitalist in America that that hurt them? That's a pretty weird question. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can think of is if I was looking to see where it happened. It happened at the, the Values change. Leadership Summit. Yeah, which I was thinking if it, if it was she was doing a yet another one of her speeches to some gigantic bank, right? Yes. that would make sense yes. as a question potentially. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, the values leadership summit, you know, I don't know why you'd ask that question unless, you know, one of your values is socialism. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I mean, you know, he may think that it's so obvious that we're all capitalists, right? Why are, of course we're all capitalists and you're the only person who actually had to say it because there were socialists coming against you, right? Could be that sort of construct, but regardless, it's still an amazing amazing. moment. Absolutely amazing. I mean, that's half your party. I know. Yeah. So the media today is focusing on this so-called mistake that Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani did not make a mistake last night. That's interesting. I didn't think so either. He did not make a mistake. They keep saying that. Oh, he let something slip. No, No, he didn't. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. On better legal ground. No, he didn't. Uh, uh, He put the president on more solid legal ground. Okay, so we're going to get into that here in a second. But you're going to hear all about Rudy Giuliani today from the media. You're not going to hear. Again, not a mistake, just an honest admission that 41% of the Democratic caucus in Iowa are self-described socialists. And the, and the Democratic Party is masquerading as a pro-American, pro-Constitution, pro-reasonable capitalist uh, party. They're not. They are the Socialist Party. And you're not going to hear anyone report on that. 
Back with the Rudy Giuliani thing in just a second. First, we talked to you a little bit about uh, ZipRecruiter. If you're hiring, everybody needs to find the best person. So how do you do it? Well, you can hope that, um, you know, the right person sees your ad. Uh, you can hope that you happen in a pile of, of, um, of uh, applications, that you happen to see the right application. Or you can go a, smart, uh, a smarter way with ZipRecruiter. This is a smart system that actually learns what you're looking for. And then it goes out and it identifies the people with the right experience. And it invites them to apply to your job. Now, the invitations have revolutionized how you're going to find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in the first day. And ZipRecruiter won't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications that you receive so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter, the great candidate is out there, and they're going to help you find them. ZipRecruiter, try it for free today at ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. So glad that you have uh, joined us today. There's uh, so much going on. I want to get to the Rudy Giuliani thing. We also have uh, an update on Seattle that proposed head tax where they're taxing companies that make over $20 million a year. Um, uh, that uh, 500 bucks an employee. 500 yeah. bucks an employee mm-hmm. every year as a head tax. You won't believe what is happening. There is a showdown happening with Amazon, and it's it feels so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the uh, New York State is weaponizing the regulatory system to go against the NRA. You will be surprised to hear what it is unless you have been listening to this show because uh it's all happening as we warned it would also uh more on uh kanye and dave rumid talking about how they're going to come for you next uh talking to progressives if you don't toe the line we'll give all of that coming up in just a few minutes let's just go over what happened with rudy giuliani last night on the sean hannity show everybody is saying that uh he made a mistake he didn't make a mistake he put the president in a better position legally uh last night and it was made to look impromptu uh, i think um he had every intention of saying that if it was a mistake rudy giuliani will be torn apart by the president in twitter or fired but he won't be because this is putting the president in a better situation yeah and said you know trump kind of tweeted something very legalistic this morning about about what giuliani said and and if you don't know campaign finance you know, law, which no one should <laughs> uh, because it's stupid. Um, but it, 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 if you a person makes a giant donation to a candidate, it is a major problem. It's what put Dinesh D'Souza in, in jail. OK. And of course, that was a ridiculous, uh, you know. Yes. But again, it's, it's what the law was, supposedly. So you make a big donation to someone. You can't do you can't do that. However. The candidate themselves can make large donations to their campaign, right? So if you are if you make a large donation to your campaign and it's not disclosed, there's probably a fine involved maybe. If you have someone making a large donation over the uh, legal uh, limit and that comes out, you can go to prison, mm-hmm. okay? So the idea, it's better for Donald Trump to have paid for the, for the payment to Stormy Daniels than it is Michael Cohen. Um, uh, paying for it himself. 
So, and we've been talking about this for weeks. Why do they keep saying that that Cohen made this payment? Well, Giuliani has gone in there now, has figured this out, and then he comes out and quote-unquote blurts it out on the Sean Hannity show. I think what he's doing instead here is, is a, a smart move to put both the president and Michael Cohen on much more solid legal ground. Because it's much better to have the president come out and say, yes, I lied. Now, see if this sounds familiar. Yes, I lied, but I only did it to protect my wife, Melania. I just, I, I didn't, you know, mm-hmm. I just did it for Melania. It's a well-worn path. It's, it's totally fine and totally acceptable to half of the public, whichever half happens to be in office. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where he's going. Yes, I lied to you, but it was my own personal business. It's my own faults, et cetera, et cetera. But I paid for that myself. I just didn't want Melania to know, which will keep everybody out of jail and his supporters will accept just like the Clinton supporters accepted it at that time. Yeah, this, this is the Bill Clinton pres- precedent. You lie about something until the lie becomes a crime. And then you do some prioritization. You have to f- prioritize whether you want to take a legal beating or a political beating. And so it's... Now, he has not come out and said that he slept with Stormy Daniels no. or, or anything like that yet. Um, though I would not be surprised. That won't happen unless there's a blue dress. He'll he'll go down this road and say that it didn't happen until there's a blue dress, and then he'll and then at that point he'll change his mind and take a political hit for it, but not a legal one. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I think they're nervous about him talking to you know Mueller because if he blurts something out there that's not true, he actually can have consequences. So that's a, that's a potential issue. But Giuliani, we should listen to the clip. You know, if you watch the clip, he looks a little disheveled. Rudy is, you know, added some ages, added some years to his age over, the, you know, over time, and he looks a little disheveled, and it feels like he's blurting it out. He's not, but I don't think so. I mean, Giuliani's a smart guy, no. and this puts it doesn't just coincidentally put the president of the United States on better legal ground. If if this is a mistake, and it may be, but if it is a mistake, you'll see him get fired in the next few days, or you'll never see him on television again. Um, I don't know. Maybe that will happen. Maybe it won't. But here's the clip from uh, Giuliani with Sean Hannity yesterday. Uh, that money was not campaign money. Having something to do with paying some Stormy Daniels woman 130000 I mean, which is going to turn out to be perfectly legal. Uh, that money was not campaign money. Sorry, I'm giving you a fact now that you don't know. It's not campaign money. No campaign finance violation. So, so they, they funneled it through the law firm. Funneled through the law firm, and the president repaid it. Oh, I didn't know he did. Yeah. There's no campaign finance law. Zero. So the president... Just like every... Sean... So this decision Sean, was made by... Everybody, everybody was nervous about this from the very beginning. I wasn't. I knew how much money Donald Trump put into that campaign. I said, 130000 it's going to do a couple of checks for 130000 When I heard uh, Cohen's uh, retainer of 35000 when he was doing no work for the president, mm. I said, but that's how he's repaying. That's how, we, how's he, how he's repaying it, with a little profit and a little margin for paying taxes for Michael. The Look, president, but do you know the president didn't know about this? Uh, I believe that's I, what Michael He didn't Michael know about said. the specifics of it, as far as I know. But he did know about the general arranger that Michael would take care of things like this. Like, I take care of things like this for my clients. I don't burden them with every single thing that comes along. That's incredible. That's incredible. And makes sense and probably is the way that Donald Trump operates. 
Yeah, I mean, it seems unlikely he didn't know anything about this particular payment. But again, I mean, you know, That's what a, does it, it matter? He can, he can pay. That is it, absolutely it, legal. It feels weird, but it's absolutely legal in this society to pay someone to not say things. That is absolutely something that can happen and happens all the time in America. Anyway, don't just don't listen to the press on this one. Rudy Giuliani was not making an error. He was putting the president in a better legal position. This is nothing more than political movering, maneuvering yet again. Glenn Beck, Mercury. Most people have a really bad experience uh, when selling their home because they hire, you know, like a family member or a friend that is forced on them. And they're too nice to say no. This usually ends very badly for everybody involved. Glenn and Tanya decided to start a company called Real Estate Agents I Trust because they personally were frustrated trying to sell their home. Home is the biggest investment we ever make. And you got to have rock solid advice because if you screw up buying or selling your home, it can have financial impacts for many, many years. Realestateagentsitrust.com is a network of over 1,200 agents all over America that are rigorously qualified by Glenn's team, their experience, their marketing plans, their character, and the results they get for their clients are the barometers the team uses to ensure the network is made up of only the best agents in America. They are also fans of Glenn and share your values. So if you need to sell a house fast and for the most money, or if you're looking to buy, go to realestateagentsitrust.com. You'll be introduced to the best agent in your area. Let these agents earn your business. Get moving with realestateagentsitrust.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You know, George Washington talked about words, not uh, sorry, deeds, not words. That deeds were so much more important than words. And as a guy who has spent his whole life doing nothing more than babbling a bunch of words, deeds um, have really started to hit me as the only thing that really counts. Deeds, not words. So we talk about problems all the time, but I, I want to introduce you to some people that actually uh, are solutions to problems. Um, there is a there's a husband and wife coalition, if you will, um, that is currently in Syria, and they were just a few miles away from the uh, the targets of the U.S. bombing uh, and our retaliation response to Syria and to Russia a few weeks ago. And they're partners of Mercury One, and right before the bombing uh, happened, they knew they were in the line of fire, and they said, we're just a few miles away from uh, the bombing. Please pray for us. Well, as it turns out, the American strike was very surgical, and everybody turned out to be fine. But about a decade ago, Jeremy and his wife, Jessica, they chose to move to Iraq. Now, who chooses that? The, the country was in absolute chaos and Jeremy met a little girl who was dying of a heart defect and there were all of these kids that were in the same situation to where they could not, they had no access to any kind of medical care. Thousands of people waiting in line for surgeries that their country could no longer provide. That's when they started this organization called the Preemptive Love Coalition. And over the next several years, they've uh, done life-saving medical care for thousands of children and hands-on training for medical staff in the countries. They're making a difference. They're in Doma. They're in the area where the chemical attack happened. 
and we have uh, Jeremy uh, on the phone from Iraq now. Hello, Jeremy. How are you? Hey, Glenn. I'm doing well. How are things in Iraq today? You know, I guess it it depends on what you're comparing it to. I mean, in many ways, it feels like um, we're out of the fire, but that's that's actually when the hard work begins. Now the media has largely packed up and moved on, and people aren't talking about Iraq anymore. And what we have is just a whole lot of destruction after years of war and fighting ISIS and thousands of people, tens of thousands of people still needing to put their lives back together. So, you know, it's not... Um, all day chaos every day in in areas where we are working like it has been over recent years but uh but we still have grave concerns for the people here and and what it means to help them get back on their own two feet how how concerned are the people in iraq about what's happening in uh with iran and israel now i mean that that looks like that could become a a hot war yeah i think it depends you know anytime we start talking about entire countries worth of people uh we we yes do best to to take the time to be nuanced you know i've got people here who who would be you know fully on the side of iran and then we've got all kinds of friends who would be deathly afraid of iran and kind of every stripe in between so yeah you were down you were down on the streets uh after the retaliation and you saw the same thing you saw people cheering uh, that uh, that Assad had sought, uh, shot down all of the missiles, which wasn't true. Um, and uh, you also saw friends and neighbors and, and people doing the opposite, saying, thank God for Donald Trump. Yeah, our team in Syria has really seen all kinds of various reactions. It really just depends on maybe what part of the country you're in, what it could depend on ideology, it could depend on what you've been through, what you've lived through, and how that shapes your worldview. What did you what did, what did your team find at, at Doma? Nobody's really been allowed um, in that region with with the chemical attack. Did you guys get close enough to the chemical attack to be able to see the results of that and and to verify that that actually did happen? Well, look, we don't have the expertise to make a definitive claim, you know, about whether or not chemical attacks happen. That's just we simply don't have those skills, but. Um, but it, but but there, but there were people there. I mean, some people are claiming that that was just all like a, you know, a Photoshop kind of event. That that there was no attack there, even. Well, if I'm being honest, I I'll have to say I still know plenty of people who share that perspective as well. I mean, it's it's murky, Glenn. I mean, that's all at best. That's what anyone can say uh, who doesn't. I mean, allegedly, there's. There's, you know, crystal clear damning evidence out there in the intelligence space. I don't have access to that. So what I've got is people on the ground and access to real life humans. And when you when you do it that way, you get any number of different stories and theories. And that's that's all I'm left with is a a really murky stew of different people's perspectives. How does the average person because we're starting this now in the United States where you don't know what truth is. How does the average person navigate through those waters do you just does everybody just become polarized and you know on opposite sides and nobody really has the facts what i mean what is that what's happening well here's how we do it we begin with the premise that um every single person has value every single person is intrinsically valuable every single person is made in the image of god as 
the Christian tradition puts it. Um, and when every single person is made in the image of God, the facts matter, the truth matters, but, but how I respond to the person in front of me, whether they are friend or foe, doesn't necessarily matter. The variance in between how I should regard them is kind of leveled by the simple fact that, that I regard them as human, that I, I regard to reduce them to animal or monster, that I, I refuse to, to fail to regard them as being made in the image of God. And, and it helps me look inside myself and realize that I've got the propensity for the same kind of evil in me. There's just a, a couple things in my life that I would live through or things that could go wrong, sort of a but for the grace of God, there go I kind of thing that, that I have the capacity for this stuff in me too. And it, it helps humble me and keep us pushing forward into these scary situations. How do you, how do you reconcile that with the, with the face of evil like ISIS? Oh, I, I absolutely believe there's evil. I believe um, ISIS has committed a lot of evil. I believe the, the force that was in Duma before, the Jaysh al-Islam, uh, Islamic Ar army as they call mm -hmm. themselves, mm -hmm. uh, have, have committed tremendous acts of evil. So it's um, certainly not about denying that or, or turning a face from that yeah. or creating a kind of moral equivalency against that. It's, it's more about who I'm trying to be, who we're trying to become, than it is about reducing ourselves to, well, yeah, well, they did this or they, they did that. I believe in justice. I, I believe that people should be brought to justice. I believe there's consequences to actions that, that we do. I, I believe that the state has to be involved in some of this stuff. But, you know, for our part as a humanitarian coalition of peacemakers, um, we're just trying to press into the front lines. We're trying to get there first when the bombs are still falling or as soon thereafter as we can and trying to show up on the scene with love because I, I think that the military solutions absolutely have to be in this equation, but we can't bomb our way to peace. That, that's not going to get us there. And we need more boots on the ground. We need more people showing up in love because that's the only powerful, the, the only force really powerful enough to transform anything. Yeah. Jeremy, I, I appreciate it. And I appreciate your partnership and all that you're doing. I know that you're feeding thousands of people every single day. Um, uh, just, I think, what, about 400, uh, 400 people alone um, uh, were in, inside the area of, of uh, the latest supposed atrocity. Uh, the the chemical attacks uh, and I I appreciate all of the risk you and your team are taking and your partnership with Mercury One. If you'd like to find out more, uh, you can go to preemptivelove.org. Preemptivelove.org. The people who are actually not talking about it, but actually walking the walk, and the NazareneFund.org. Thanks so much, Jeremy. No. said it's supposed attacker you're not a skeptic on the attack. no i'm not i'm not um you know he is a guy on the ground and and he has said you know i we haven't seen it yeah i mean so i, I think that's a, he had a totally fair breakdown of that yeah. right it's it is an alleged attack there's no real way to prove it obviously yeah uh, but there's no we haven't seen the evidence of it i happen to believe it others don't mm -hmm. um but uh you know it still is alleged until we can see the the evidence I've seen the photographic evidence, but I don't know if I believe my eyes anymore. I do in this particular case, but we're entering a time where I don't know what's true or not. Do you? 
I know everything that's true, yes. Uh, yeah. I actually figured it all out last night. Did you really? Yeah, I was, oh, I was so on good. the borderline. Can I, I like, go home? Will you just... Well, I, yeah, I guess. Why don't you just, yeah, why don't you just, just take the show and just explain everything? Yeah. We can be done. We can just call it a day. We could call it a career, really. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, you, I guess you could call 888 back, ask any question, and I can answer it for right. you. But other than that, I don't know what we're doing here. All right. Really, okay. You know? Thanks a lot, Stu. I, <laughs> I appreciate it. All right. 1-800-Flowers. It's hard to find a bigger fan of you than your mom. Would you say that's true? Your mom has put up with so much of your crap. I see my son now, and I see the crap he's pulling on his mom, and I just I peer around the corner, and I just point at him like I'm on to you. And he knows he smiles at times. Other times he just looks down because he's playing the same crap on his mom that I used to play. I mean, it's amazing. And your mom is your biggest cheerleader. Not this Sunday, but the Sunday after is Mother's Day. And you can send her some great flowers from 1-800-Flowers.com. Get ahead of Mother's Day. Right now, you can get 24 for 24. That's 24 multicolored roses for $24. That's only a dollar per rose. Believe me, next week, they're going to be more expensive. Bright, beautiful mix of premium roses in, in rainbow colors. They are guaranteed to show mom how much she is loved. 24 multicolored roses for $24. It's a great special for Mother's Day right now. You pick the delivery date. I would recommend either Saturday or Sunday of next week. They'll handle the rest. Okay, this is only good until tonight. So do it right now. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com. Click on the radio uh, icon and enter the promo code BECK. That's 1-800-Flowers.com. Promo code BECK. Order them now. The offer expires today. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. The Glenn Beck Program presents Drunk News. I uh, resemble that remark. Uh, news from Dun- Dunderfermline, Dunderfermline sh- Sheriff, uh, Court. Dunder, a man ended up behind bars after being found in a, a Dunder Mifflin Street with an offensive weapon. Scott Walker is 39 years old of the James Bank Hostel. James Street, he appeared, uh, from, uh, Custody at uh, under Mifflin uh, Sheriff's Court. He did admit on Saturday in Appling Crescent, a public place, that he was in possession of an uh, object which had a blade or was sharply pointed. I have to remember, we're now starting to confiscate all weapons uh, like uh, knives and knives and he had a blade that was sharply pointed at namely a potato a, a, a potato a potato peeler a defense solicitor selena mckay said her client suffers from significant learning difficulties which have been lifelong and he had absolutely no idea that a potato a potato peeler 
was a dangerous uh, weapon. But in all fairness, neither did this reporter. This has been another highly intoxicating episode of Drunk News. A potato peeler. Guy goes to jail for a potato peeler. Does make more sense when you say it. It is. Yeah, but that's a very dangerous weapon. Have you ever? <laughs> well, it's dangerous to the potatoes, potatoes. Potatoes are the most untrustworthy <laughs> of all of the vegetables <laughs> and root vegetables. It's the only the ones with eyes. They have eyes everywhere yeah. on all sides. <laughs> They're watching you all the time. You have to sneak up, and you have your potato peeler. Your potato pea, you can use a knife, but potatoes know what knives are. And so the potato peeler, they're like, oh, that's just not a knife. It's actually a very dangerous weapon. It can take your eyes out. Uh, joke about this all you want, but imagine if you're the, you know, you're Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head and you're seeing a potato peeler. Imagine the horror film that that is for the potato. Mr. Potato Head was not asked for comment at this time. <laughs> he is at home resting comfortably with his wife. I, uh, I, this is what we're getting down to, gang. So they're, they're legitimately arresting, arresting people, people for potato peelers. Who had a potato peeler, putting them in jail. And the defense was, oh, he's a complete imbecile. <laughs> that sucks. It sucks when that's your defense. I mean, that's crazy. We, use that, we hear that a lot in politics, though. It's kind of the, the standard line of defense for every politician these days. Ah, I'm just an idiot. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, <laughs> listen, my, my client uh, is just a moron. <laughs> <laughs> I would accept that. Wouldn't you love to hear that from somebody who's like, uh, J Judge Roy Moore? He, of course, he's a moron. It would be interesting to see that as an approach. It would be effective, I think. Hillary, 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 Hillary uh, Rodham uh, Clinton. She, she, she didn't make a lot of mistakes. She's just a moron. <laughs> she was, Your Honor, when she was taking all of those things, she doesn't break. She's just a moron. <laughs> it works. I don't think there's enough. The ego cannot be violated in that way for most politicians, though. They can't take that. Only a moron would say that because <laughs> this works. Put down that potato peeler. Glenn Beck, Mercury. Courage. Courage. Truth. Glenn Beck. You know, I'm not really sure if uh, anybody paid attention to what uh, is happening in, in, in the culture uh, right now. And, and some of the honest things that are being said. SNL creator Lauren Michaels has just come out and said that the show lambasts Republicans more often because, quote, Democrats tend to take it personally and Republicans think it's funny. I don't know if that's true or not, because I think we're all losing our sense of humor. But, but what he's saying here is we can attack the, the right because the left becomes offended. So we'll ridicule the other side. Uh, that, I mean, we all have to get over it. 
Jokes about President Trump have become the airplane food, you know, comedy routine of our day. Can you believe how bad uh, food is on airplanes? I mean, am I right? That's the kind of thing that we're getting down to. It's a hack comedian. You, you can do it every day. It's really, really easy. Now, Rob Schneider, who is not exactly the guy that I would go to, you know, for, you know, all my comedy advice. But he makes a really good point when he said uh, comedy needs surprise. It has to keep the audience guessing. It shouldn't be afraid to shock or offend. It should attack the powerful and the arrogant. But at the same time, it has to come from a place of inspiration where it made the writer laugh. But uh, if there are ideas of justice, morality and righteousness, even better. But they always have to take a backseat to actually being funny. The loyalty should reside inside the joke, not through some political identity. That is the problem right now. Everything that everyone is trying to do is trying to make a point. And even if you're not trying to make a point, people take it as you are. For instance, we are so addicted to outrage. It drives me nuts. This stuff with Apu on The Simpsons. Can we just recognize who Homer Simpson is? Homer Simpson is the laziest guy in the world, or at least Springfield. The laziest guy in Springfield. How many times, Stu, has he almost uh, vaporized the city of Springfield because... Dozens. I mean, he's <laughs> constantly threatening his own community with nuclear holocaust. He's drinking all the time. He he's a terrible father almost all the time. Horrible husband. Yep. Well, he's a white guy. Technically, okay. Technically yellow, but yes. Well, he, he, he's one of those yellow people. <laughs> and I'm not offended by that. No, I mean, that's a, an unbelievable stereotype. Right. I'm not offended by Cletus and all of his toothless kids. That's a stereotype. Both of those kinds of people exist. Can we not laugh at ourself? You know, the, the nature of comedy is by itself. Parody by nature is divisive. Satire is the weaponization of humor. It's the tactical fusing of comedy and politics. And it's the tactical use of humor to voice political insurgency. We know this. You add judgment and attack to humor, and it is inherently negative. Its basis is anger. But in order to be effective, it also must be funny. And we are cutting the funny out of absolutely everything because we're all so angry. Not only are left-leading audiences unable to laugh at themselves, you know, as said by Lauren Michaels, they're unable to laugh at a growing list of topics that they've deemed offensive. There is a difference between offensive and unfunny. One thing for a person to dislike a joke because they find it unfunny. But the argument against humor now is it's offensive. Well, maybe but you don't have a right to tell me that I don't have the right to offend you. Do I have the right to tell you you can't offend me? No, I'm offended all the time. It's, it's called life. 
But we are in this sea of microaggressions, and it is shutting all voices up. Somebody is going to get at the top. Do you want me setting the, let me ask the left, do you want me setting the bar and saying what's offensive and what isn't? No. And I don't want you setting the bar. So let's agree to disagree. If you have the ability to laugh, I think that says a lot about you. The best thing we can do is stop being offended by everything. Smile. Laugh. Mark Twain said, humor is mankind's greatest blessing. So today, instead of being offended, show the clowns of the world that you're blessed. Blessed with a sense of humor. It's Thursday, May 3rd. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Today is World Press Freedom Day. We cannot have a free society if the press is afraid of challenging those who are in power. Or, dare I say, the press is in bed with those who are in power. We have no shot of freedom because there will be no one holding anyone responsible. We are weaponizing the press, both left and right, because the left will defend absolutely anything. The right will defend their side on absolutely anything. We need a free press. And there is a movement and has been a movement for a very long time to stifle the voices of the press. It was happening under Obama in different ways. It's happening again. And we must stand for the right of the press. Today is World Press Freedom Day. And uh, Joel Simon is the executive director of the Committee to Protect Journalists. Joel, welcome to the program. It's great to be on. Thanks so much for having me, and happy World Press Freedom Day. Uh, so tell me, so, so tell me, tell me what what your organization does and why it's important. Okay. Well, let me let me start with why it's World Press Freedom Day. This is World Press Freedom Day is one of those strange UN declared days. And what happened was in 1991, after the collapse of the Soviet Union, there was this brief period of consensus where everyone agreed. Free press is important. It holds the powerful to accountable to account. It it it, it, it um, creates more uh, representative and democratic societies, and we need to support a free press around the world. And so, in that brief period, all the countries of the world came together and declared World Press Freedom Day. I'm not sure it could happen now, but what do we do? So we defend this basic right around the world. We defend the rights of journalists, particularly those working in repressive and dangerous societies, to report the news without fear of reprisal. Journalists shouldn't be killed for reporting the news. They shouldn't go to jail. They shouldn't be censored. This is a basic human right. This is a fundamental right available to all people around the world. We're an organization of journalists, and we defend this right at a global level. So do you defend everyone's uh, right, no matter which side they're on? We defend everyone's right, no matter what side they're on. We, we believe in uh, a free press. We believe that 
journalists have to be able to report the news, that government shouldn't be able to determine what's news and what's not news, that, that terrorists and criminals shouldn't be able to determine what's news and what's not news. And so we defend the rights of journalists everywhere. So tell me what's happening to the, the right of free press around the world. It is, it's frightening oh, what is, yeah. is happening. It's really, it's really terrible what's happening. It's, it, we're seeing, first of all, uh, last year uh, we recorded a record number of journalists jailed around the world, 262 journalists in jail around the world. That's the most we've ever re- recorded. They're in, being jailed in places like Turkey, like Egypt, like China. These are some of the most repressive places around the world. And they're also being killed. Glenn, we saw this horrible attack the other day, the suicide bombing carried out by the Islamic State in Kabul. And what they did, this is so insidious and so terrible, they set off a small bomb. And then when journalists came to cover that explosion, they had a, bo- they had a, 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 a bomber who was disguised as a journalist, inserted himself in the middle of this group and blew himself up, killed wow. nine journalists. They carried out another attack later that day, they killed a journalist from the BBC. Now, all of these journalists are Afghans, but they're really reporting for the world. Five of them work for international news organizations. So these are the people who are reporting for all of us. They're the ones who are documenting what's happening in Afghanistan. It's just outrageous and horrifying. These journalists, you should go look at their work. They're so talented. These are such amazing reporters. This is, this is a terrible loss. Um, uh, Joel, they're, uh, you know, I, I'm very concerned about what's happening in America and in Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. I think we're finding the same uh, kinds of things uh, in the last 10 years that we're at the very infant stages uh, that we now find in Russia. And people don't understand how dangerous it is to be a journalist in, in Russia. Well, it sure is dangerous to be a journalist in Russia. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's a place where, um, you know, a journalist uh, recently who did some critical investigative reporting recently, quote-unquote, fell out of a window in Russia. Yeah, I know. So, you know, that's, that's what happens to you in Russia if, yeah. you, if you get too close to power. Um, but, you know, the thing is that we've actually seen a decline in journalists being killed in Russia, and that's because it's become so, that the fear has so pervaded uh, the Russian media that we're not seeing that kind of aggressive investigative reporting. That's a really bad thing for Russia. That's actually a really bad thing for all of us here in, or who care about news around the world, because there's just less accountability, less probing reporting, less information, frankly. Joel, I, I, in, in watching and reading both sides, mm-hmm. I, I read, you know, conservative stuff and I read yeah. uh, uh, liberal stuff. And I am somebody who enjoys reading uh, things that I don't uh, agree with. Uh, and I have noticed here in America that both sides are hearing things from their own echo chamber. And there is truth uh, that both sides are not aware of. You know what I mean? There's the 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 right will report something that happened, you know, because of the left and the left won't report it. Uh, you know, the left media won't report it. And then the same thing with the right. There's be something that has happened due to, because of the right and the left will report it. But the right never hears it. We're in these echo chambers. And I I fear that, um, you know, we, we, we I don't see a way out of this. Uh, and we're we're both trying to shut everybody up. Yeah. How do we go the other way? I think I think we have to reaffirm our faith in the First Amendment. I mean, that's really what that's what at the, the heart of our political culture is: the First Amendment and the idea that 
the, the news media and all media is just an expression of this fundamental right of people expressing their ideas. And we can disagree with them. We can call them names. We can do whatever we want. Um, but, you know, fundamentally, uh, we need to, we need to, we, we, our, what, what we're, what we're losing in our media culture and in our political culture is this, is, is a sort of tolerance for dissenting views and an openness. And, and, and that's happening at a global level. So, Joel, how you are know, you, how are you going to do that when you have universities now that should be the bastion of all free thought having riots? Uh, you know, or counseling sessions after somebody with a with a an opposite opinion shows up on campus. Well, comedians won't even go play ca- college campuses now. There are, I think, it's like fifty one percent or forty seven percent of of college a- age uh, students say that there are a lot of limits to the First Amendment. Well, look, we are a global press freedom organization. My fund, I'm, I'm not, my fundamental concern is with ensuring that journalists in places like Afghanistan and Mexico and Russia can continue to do their job. I want the U.S. to be a beacon of yes. press freedom, of these values and these tolerance. And whenever we fall down, it has a ripple effect around the world. I mean, let's take fake news, okay? Fake news, this concept of fake news, we can argue about it back and forth. People, it's fake news, it's not fake news, whatever. But you know what's happening? Fake news is being criminalized around the world. There's a new law in Malaysia that makes fake news illegal. In the Philippines, uh, in Singapore, in China, in Russia, fake news is becoming criminalized. And journalists who report what governments deem to be fake news yep. are being put in jail. Yes. But that's a, real, that's a really bad thing. We don't want governments determining what's fake and what's not fake. Um, so I really think we have to kind of, I don't have an easy answer to what you're saying. No, I know. Glenn, but I think, I think the point is that we need to understand that these debates that we have here have an impact around the world, globally. We set an example. And when we fall down, when we don't uphold our old values, it has, you know, it has an impact on our society, but it has an even more profound impact, which we may not be aware of, in societies around the world that are battling repression and violence. Uh, in the days of uh, uh, FISA and uh, all everything that is going on in the world, there is uh, nothing, nothing more important than the freedom to speak and the freedom to uh, report on the news without being shut down. Um, Joel Simon uh, from the Committee to Protect Journalists. Uh, you can uh, follow him at, at Press Freedom. Uh, also, the Press Freedom Tracker.us. Uh, it's a searchable tool for press freedom violations in the U.S., and you would be surprised uh, on what you will see. Uh, PressFreedomTracker.us. Thank you so much, Joel. Appreciate it. Great to be on. Thank you so much. You bet. Now is the time to sell your home. If you're thinking about selling it, now is the time. This is when everybody is thinking about moving. The kids are going to start getting out of school and they want to move in the summer so their kids can be set up. Now is the time to sell your home. Now, who do you get to do it? May I suggest realestateagentsitrust.com. Go there now. Over a thousand agents all over America who are just like you. They're fans of the show. They share your same sensibilities of right and wrong. They're fully vetted and handpicked for their knowledge, their skill, and their track record. It's really important that they know your neighborhood. They know your area uh, uh, where you're selling your house. It's important that they have the same kind of values 
and they know how much your home is worth and they have the the proven track record to be able to sell it fast on time and for the most amount of money the test results you know the people who started this and started uh, doing this with real estate agents i trust.com what 3 4 years ago i mean the results are truly remarkable you want to sell your home on time for the most amount of money Go there right now, realestateagentsitrust.com, realestateagentsitrust.com. Glenn Beck Mercury. That's why they're doing this to come. Glenn Beck. You know, we're just talking in the break that uh, freedom of speech is is really truly on the ropes and freedom of the press is on the ropes all around the world. But it's happening here as well. And um, this is something that we should all be paying attention to is the First Amendment, your right to speak, your right to assemble, your right to petition, your your right to a free, unfettered press. Those things are important. And and what people do is they try to show they're doing it really kind of in a way to Kanye now. I mean, he's not a press person. I like how you're on the first name basis with him. I don't know why. (laughs) So anyway, um, uh, it's what they're doing now. You have to pick on the biggest person and you you shut that person up and all the sheep behind him are silent. That's why they pick on Fox News or Sean Hannity or Rush Limbaugh or me. Whenever you're the whenever you're the it person, shut them down because there's a whole bunch of people standing behind going, well, if he can say that, I can. So you got to shut that down. Right. And then if you see a huge figure torn down, you're you not going to do oh it. Oh, my God. I'd never get away. If he can't get away with that, I, I definitely can. Right. I mean, the scary like you listen, listen to the, what we was talking about with Russia, uh, where he says killing of journalists is actually down. And normally you take that as a real positive sign. It's right? not. It's not. They're saying, A, they've killed most of the people who would stand up to Putin anyway. They're already gone. And B, there's a whole group of people who would like to stand up to Putin who are saying, if I do this, I'm going to be dead. So I'm not going to do it. And then now there's no need for uh, the Russians to kill as so many now journalists. He can That's say there's terrifying. No, we're not taking on journalists now. Of course not. You've, you've set... You sent, set the bar. Sent the appropriate message. Yeah. You know, that's why he killed people openly in England with with something that is clearly from Russia. Yeah. He's sending a message. Yeah, I can get you anywhere in the world. There's the polonium attack from yes. years ago, the same type of thing. It was mm-hmm. why would you do it and allow it to be basically traceable to Russia? You do it so everyone knows that when you oppose Russia. This could happen to you if they're willing to be that brazen with someone much, well, much, you know, more well known than you. Well, of course, they're going to kill you off. No one's even going to notice. And that is uh, that is globally. It is, you know, cataclysmic levels here. It's getting worse. I have to tell you, how do you define the press? You know, your freedom of speech when it comes to uh, when it comes to Facebook and YouTube I mean, I have to play something from Dave Rubin I heard yesterday where he said, they're going to come for you. If you're listening on the left, they're coming for you. Next. Glenn Beck, Mercury.
Beth program. You know, it's you know, it's truly remarkable is the way uh, Kanye West is being treated in the press. And, and you know, I again, I, I'm not a fan of Kanye West. I just believe in freedom of thought and freedom of speech. And uh, last night on television, I went through a list of things that he has said over Twitter. And the vast majority of stuff in a certain given time period, <laughs> right, uh, yeah. I have agreed with. And yeah, I and very I, relatively sane and also under control, right? Like he's he's not hateful about them. He's I mean, again, this is a limited time period we're focusing yeah, on. Well, but, well, well, tell me which the left would disagree with. Um, if your friend jumps off a bridge, you don't have to do the same. I don't tell Hillary supporters not to support Hillary. I love Hillary, too. OK, what's the problem with that? I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. What's the problem with saying that? I haven't done enough research on conservatives to call myself uh, one or to be called one. I'm just refusing to be enslaved by monolithic thought. Great. We have freedom of speech in America, but not freedom of thought. True. The thought police want to suppress freedom of thought. True. And the left says that about the right. The right says that about the left. Constantly bringing up the past keeps you stuck there. Yep. That is true. That's true about everything. How many, Glenn, how many personal uh, life interactions do you have? I know I have relatives and friends who have a, a big incident in their life, lives and they always look back at it and it's always the focus of their life and it makes it impossible for them to move on. It's got nothing yes. to do with slavery. It's got to do Unless with... they say, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have woken up. Right. It's, it, you it's have either to cross good that line. or it, cr mm -hmm. it crushes you. Mm -hmm. Um we're, bringing, we're being starved, and anyone who starts asking unpopular questions get demonized. Only free thinkers can change the world. What is wrong with this? What is wrong with this? Because now, it's tied to him uh, liking a Republican president. So, Brian uh, Stelter, who I think has just gone off the rails, um, he is you know the senior media consultant. He attacked Kanye yesterday, saying he's a gift to racists. Now, Brian, I want to see the article when you said that Kanye was a gift to racists when he said George Bush hates all black people. Did, did you say he was a gift to racists when he was saying that? That was probably before his uh, rise to prominence, but yes. Did he, I know he was in the press. I know he was doing stuff in the press. He said, West is, is what he's really doing is bolstering the white supremacist racist cause. It's backfiring in a really embarrassing and public, even humiliating way. You look at the reactions to what Kanye West said on TMZ about slavery, and he's being roundly denounced, widely denounced for what he said. Yes, for what he said there, where it appeared to everybody that he said uh, slavery was a choice. He, he didn't even really say it in that context. Even no. in, in his initial statement, he didn't really say that. Yeah. If you want to give him zero benefit of the doubt, yeah. that's what he said. Right. You give him benefit of the doubt, and what he's saying is, you know, you can't be a huge population, bigger than the white population, and, uh, and not th overthrow the shackles after 400 years unless you've been made a slave in your mind. If you've been made a slave in your mind, you don't overthrow the shackles. And he's his point was, 
we have to not create new shackles in our mind of the past or of I'm going to just think this one way. Look at the facts. Are those things that you've been taught to think, are they true? Do they work? Are they helping you? That is very reasoned. Now, he may have said it in an inartful way, and people have taken it to mean something that he didn't mean. Yes. If you want to give him zero benefit of the doubt, which is always what the media does to anybody who has a differing opinion than them, then they're going to, you know, then that's fine. You, you know, you shoot him. It's a, great, it's a great point, though. There's a guy who believes, uh, to pick his worst viewpoint, that the government created AIDS to kill black people. Do you really think that person thinks that uh, slavery was a choice? I mean, we blatantly know he doesn't actually believe that they were like, yeah, you know what? Those boats look great. Put those chains on me. That's not what he was saying at all. It's blatantly obvious, I think, even from when he said it initially. But again, when you have something that you may not understand, you ask for clarification, you get it, right? Mm -hmm. He clarifies later and, and, and spells out exactly what he means. I think we all realize that, you know, Kanye West is not an anti-black activist, right? No. Can we can we come to that conclusion? Can we at the least guy said admit the AIDS was developed to kill the black population? <laughs> that is that a Jeremiah Wright yes. level uh, sort of viewpoint that uh, you can't be an anti-black activist. A heart, he's not going to put on a hood. Okay, Kanye West, we all knew that as of last week, but now we have to pretend that this guy is the most evil anti-black KKK member of all time because he said he likes Donald Trump. I mean, it's just absurd. We all know these things aren't true, and we act as if we don't know them to get our point across for an hour of Twitter retweets. It's infuriating. It is the addiction to outrage you've been pointing mm -hmm. out over and over and over again. Totally addicted. It's a terrible thing. That our society has developed. It's a terrible habit, and it's it's the type of and thing. And it's turning good people yeah. into into really weird uh, um, absolutists. Where's the reason? Where's the reason? Yeah. He's he is he's now empowering the racist right. What are you talking about? W was he empowering the racist left? And if so, where were all of your voices? Please, it's Kanye West. It's Kanye West. And if you take and look at what he is saying in balance, he's saying, think for yourself. Is there a better message than think for yourself? I disagree with him on almost everything he says. I think he's most likely doing this just to promote his album. I don't really care about him. I really don't. But what he's saying is really important to our society right now, and that is think for yourself. I honestly think we are moving to a point where that is no longer the American you know, gene. Think for yourself. We are becoming, especially when it comes to thought, a collectivist society where there are two large no. groups of people who must stay in there. line. I won't either. I won't it's, go there. It's too boring, first of all. 
I mean, we can go down a million different rows of why it's terrible for society, but let's start with it's boring. Well, well I mean, and, you, you and fl- let me just say, once you narrow it down to two, then you'll have to narrow it down to, to one. one. Right. That's what happens. So, I mean, you look at just the way the left watch is people step out of line. What's uh, Brett Weinstein, mm-hmm. the guy who he's at Evergreen State University, he says something that's mildly out of step uh, with the left's current new positioning on gender which is consistent with our scientific understanding for hundreds of years, thousands of years, millions of years. Um, and he is attacked and brutalized because of that. Driven this, out of academia. And look, we've seen the same thing on the right, too. Let's not deny it doesn't happen there. It does. You know, it does. And the point is, you become better when you come up against another person who's well-reasoned and makes a point, even if, at times, they don't have the backup for it. You know, like, I think that was one of the things that I thought was interesting that Kanye West said, which was like, you know what? I don't know. It was just kind of an idea. He wasn't saying he thought it out perfectly. He had an idea. And if you can't bring up an idea without being destroyed, how do you disprove that idea? You know, we talked about this with... uh, How do you have new ideas? Right. Every idea starts... I mean, look at... Let me take something that's, you know, completely harmless. The, the assembly line, Henry Ford tried it three times, three times. If he would have said, you know what we should do? We should have things on assembly line. And everybody said, shut up, shut up, shut up. You are just a monger. I hate you. Shut up, shut up. And he never would have done it. We, we wouldn't be where we are today. Not only did he do it once, it failed. He then said, I got another idea the way we can do it. It failed. Another guy came up to him and said, look, dude, I think I have the idea. Henry Ford could have said, shut up. It's my idea. My idea that's going to make this work. No, it was somebody else who was saying to him, dude, you're missing the point. You have to have that conversation. And we are we're stifling it. And the press has no idea, no idea. Brian, you are a media. You're you're a. Need to make it about Brian. It's I, he's just. Of... He. It's just. It's. It's bothering me how certain the people are in the media. They have gone from. Gee, I wonder why Donald Trump won. Gee, should we examine ourselves to we are absolutely right. We know exactly what is going on. There's no other kind of thinking. There's no other way you can possibly ever look at this. You are doing what you accused me of doing. Stop it. Freedom of thought. Let people express ideas. Don't demonize everyone. Just because they disagree with you. Here's an idea. When you show me your vitriolic rants against the government invented AIDS to kill black people. And your rants on George Bush just hates black people. You can then have some credibility to say, look. It's the same kind of rant and the same kind of reaction from all of my esteemed colleagues. We're 100% consistent. You're not. Do you think George Bush hates black people and AIDS was created to kill black people? Do you think that might have been speaking to the racist left? 
to the Black Panthers? No, because you guys don't pay attention to that. You don't care about that. You won't recognize any of that. It's only white people that you should be afraid of. Well, and if you remember, we have a very clear example of someone prominent saying in a political context, the AIDS will, you know, was created to kill black people. It was Jeremiah Wright. And when 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 Republicans brought up Jeremiah Wright, I said, hey, here's a guy who not not was it a, a some rapper. This is a guy who was the spiritual leader of the next president of the United States. When I that guess. was brought up, it was it was attacked as if you couldn't even acknowledge that someone in his circle believed that. I believe, Stu, that at one point we had the research that showed that it was Van Jones and his Color of Change organization that was in with Kanye West to help promote that thought. They, yeah, they, if I remember correctly, they were selling t-shirts uh, that said yeah. uh, Bush. And isn't he Van Jones? Isn't he an employee of CNN? Yes. Huh. That's interesting. It is interesting, yes. It, it, well, I, I just wonder. I, I just wonder. Did CNN hold him and his group? They love to uphold Color of Change as this great organization. Weren't they speaking directly to the racists of the left and the black movement? The ultra-nationalist or the ultra-racists that want a separate country for black people. And again, we were what well, we were really critical of Jeremiah Wright for saying those things back yes. then. But now that Kanye West is on our side, are we critical of, his, of Kanye West saying the AIDS thing? Yes. yes. We're critical of both of them saying it both times because it's not even close to true. And then we're looking at the things that he has said that are true. Like we cannot ever be truly free no. without freedom of expression, without being shouted down and demonized. That's true. And both sides know that. All right. Here's our sponsor. And we want to thank Simply Safe for making this program possible. They've won the Editor's Choice Award from CNET Magazine, PC Magazine, and Wirecutter. Three respected product testers. They put Simply Safe through a battery of tests. They compared it to all the other home security projects, and Simply Safe won hands down every single time. Simply Safe, just a great security system. Simply Safe now protects over two million Americans. This is the system that you want protecting your home and your family. The sensors are tiny. You won't notice them, but boy, do they notice when something goes wrong. You can control it from your phone. But it's not a gadget. It's a comprehensive protection for all of your windows, your doors, your entire home, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Their alarm monitoring is there for you around the clock, $15 a month with no contracts. No one else is doing it like this. It is Simply Safe. SimplySafeBeck.com. Go there now. Take an additional 10% off just by going to the website SimplySafeBeck.com. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. We have so much yet to talk about today. The the, the state of New York is weaponizing uh, their regulatory powers over the financial institutions to uh, crush the NRA and gun dealerships. And uh, this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. 
we'll give you that coming up in just a few minutes. I also want to play this piece with uh, Dave Rubin, uh, where he is warning. He is a former progressive that has uh, kind of opened his eyes and is, is part of this free thought movement uh, that is really kind of taking uh, and starting a, a, a grass fire in California. I hate to use that phrase in California, but um, and he is he is warning his fellow progressives. Listen to this. Why are they all lefties who then say one thing that upsets the left and then they're purged? It will happen. It will come for you. I mean, if there's someone that's watching this right now that is a hardcore progressive that's going, man, I hate Prager and Rubin and this is all nonsense. Guess what? If you have any spark of individualism in you, if you have any anything about you that's interesting or different, they will come to destroy that too. So you can't just sit there and wait. You, you cannot. This is, this is the great fight of our generation. Is that not phenomenal? Kanye is living that right now. And everyone will live that unless we start to recognize differences and celebrate and protect those differences, especially those differences that make us uncomfortable. Glenn Beck, Mercury. Love, courage, truth. Glenn Beck. Well, some not surprising news unless you um, are, haven't been paying attention. New York has now weaponized the regulatory powers against the NRA. This is something that I, I warned you about, uh, and I believe it was Citigroup, which was the first financial institution that started to fall into line. The next one was Bank of America, Stu. Do you, you, do you remember? Uh, where they just stopped, they started saying, I'm, we're not going to offer any financial services to any gun manufacturers that make military assault rifles uh, and uh, high-capacity magazines. And I warned you, there is an effort underfoot. Well, Cuomo has just uh, outlined a directive to the financial regulators, and he is pressuring them to break ties with the NRA. I'm going to quote from the directive. I am directing the Department of Financial Services to urge insurers and bankers statewide. Well, good thing there's no big banks in New York. And bankers statewide to determine whether any relationship they may have with the NRA or similar organizations sends the wrong message to their clients and their communities who often look to them for guidance and support. The uh, Department of Financial Services, this is the one that regulates the banking and insurance industries in New York. Uh, He continued, the department er er encourages its chartered and licensed financial institutions to continue evaluating and managing their risks, including reputational risks that may arise from their dealings with the NRA or similar gun promotion organizations. Huh as well as continued assessment of compliance with their own codes of social responsibility. 
The department encourages regulated institutions to review any relationship they may have with the NRA or any similar gun promotion organization and to take prompt actions to manage these risks and promote public health and safety. What is a what is a fascistic regime? What what is that? It is somebody who's at the top that uses the controls of power and government to force their point of view on everyone. This is a step towards totalitarianism or fascism in the United States of America. They are now threatening the banks and the insurers. So just they're just they're just reminding them to do the right thing. May I suggest America we have a difference of opinion on what the right thing is. But when it comes to fascism and standing up against anyone abusing power to force any point of view I suggest we all do the right thing and resist. It's Thursday, May 3rd. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Wow. Targeting districts again. Wow. Look at that. Horrible behavior. Uh, You know, I I am... I'm really excited about this... uh, There are some really brave people that are willing to stand up and buck the system and and not say i'm right just say you know we should think about this a little more broadly and we should we should maybe notice that maybe as we're fighting for freedom we're actually fighting for to, for totalitarianism and both sides are doing it and there is this group of people this intellectual dark web of people that are standing up in their own place and saying hey wait a minute i just like to throw out another opinion and I saw one on uh, Prager University, uh, and it, it is a video called, uh, What's this a greater leap of faith, God or the multiverse? And it's from Brian Keating. He is um, uh, the professor of physics at the University of California, San Diego. He is also the author of a new book, Losing the Nobel Prize, which we have to talk to him about. But I wanted to get him on. And, and just have him, here's a guy who is a professor of physics, to explain the multiverse, which is an unproven theory, and how it relates to people who believe in God. Welcome to the uh, uh, program, Brian. Yeah, it's great to be here with you, Glenn. Thank you. So you, this is a great Prager University uh, video. Can you just summarize it a bit? Yeah, so there's a um, a boiling, roiling uh, controversy that's pervading the normally staid academic world of cosmology, of all things, and it it actually is rekindling a, a debate that's really gone on for millennia, which is, you know, how did our universe come to be? How do we come to find ourselves as as conscious beings in a universe that we can attempt to understand? And for millennia, uh, there was no support for the Genesis 1-1 narrative that suggested that the, you know, the Big Bang or the origin of the universe uh, began at a single point in time. Even if you didn't believe it was created by a creator, there was still no evidence that the universe came, you know, had a, had a birthday, mm-hmm. shall we say. And 
until 1965, when astronomers were using a special kind of telescope uh, that's an ancestor to the types of telescopes that, that my group and my students and I build today, that saw heat left over from the Big Bang. And this was sort of incontrovertible evidence that the universe originated in a fiery, uh, almost explosion-like event, uh, unlike anything ever witnessed before or since. And before that time, there was literally no physical evidence for an origin event. And so people just naturally believed the universe had been around forever. This was the so-called steady state theory, which was, you know, held not only by, you know, atheists and nonbelievers. It was held by everybody, including uh, Einstein and Newton, who were, you know, devoutly, Newton was devoutly religious, as you know. And so the, the question as to what evidence people that had belief in a singular origin had there was no evidence for them, and yet they believed, and they did so on the basis of faith, and, th and that's fine. But at least they admitted it was faith, and they didn't say that, well, we have evidence for that. Nowadays, there's a notion that the universe is not only uh, had, had a beginning, but it, uh, it, it is not only the only universe. And in order to explain the peculiar features of our universe and the improbability of the existence of conscious entities such as ourselves, uh, many of my uh, erudite colleagues have proposed a model which is every bit as revolutionary as the Big Bang you know, might have sounded uh, 55 years ago. And this is that the universe that we inhabit is not the only universe. And it is a the, the best way I've heard it described is if you, you know, you're giving your kids a bath and there's all these soap bubbles in the, the corner of the bathtub and you kind of pick that up. They're all connected to each other, but you can't pass from one bubble to the other or they'll pop. Um, but they are uh, just a yeah. big collection of of bubbles and they're more and less and they kind of come into existence and form new bubbles. And that's what it really is. And each bubble is its own separate universe. We're just one of those bubbles in that big handful. Is that right? Exactly. And it's, and it's a natural you know, phenomenon that people will have a, a tendency to be biased towards and, and, and you know, something that would make sense to them. And in this case, what's unusual to me is that the scenario that you described is, is perfectly reasonable and from a physicist's point of view. But you at least have to admit that there's currently no evidence for such a proposition. And the point that is made in the Prager University video is that when, when the secular scientist is confronted with um, the question of whether or not to believe in God, as 70% of the most prestigious academy of sciences in the world, the National Academy of Sciences in America, they declare themselves not to be agnostic, uh, but to be atheist. And, and in that sense, you have to wonder why are they so quick to believe a theory for which there's no hard, physical, tangible, scientific method, provable evidence. And I claim that uh, in some cases, some of my colleagues are doing so in such a way as to bolster their, you know, their preconceived biases of secularism. And it's fine to be secular, Glenn. I'm not, I'm not complaining. No, I know. You know I... People have, can be a conscientious you know, atheist, and that's fine. But I think to say that you're a scientist and you believe in the scientific method and religious believers and the faithful like, like us, that we, we are somehow foolish because we believe in something on the basis of faith when they have just as much faith. To, you know, I say it takes, a, it takes a fair amount of faith to be an atheist. Yeah, and I, I, think it, I really do think it does. I mean, intelligent design makes sense. To me, um, quantum physics makes no sense to me, but I believe quantum physics is pr probably on the right direction. I mean, I have no idea when it breaks down. I haven't I've tried to understand it. It's way beyond me. It doesn't seem to make sense, 
But that's because everything else breaks down. So having a multiverse where there's all these different kinds of options out there and we're playing out every single option seems like science fiction. But I don't know. It might be true. So yeah, and you will trust the you will trust the the, uh, the 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 knowledge of experts such as myself when it comes to quantum physics, right? Just right. Like I, I I won't do brain surgery. You know, I think I'm pretty intelligent, but I won't do brain surgery uh, on on myself. You right. know, I'll go to an expert. So what what always what always tickles me is that my my brilliant colleagues, my brilliant atheists, and I say this with with all honesty, I have utmost respect for my colleagues, even if they are secular. We get along great, and we can have a wonderful conversation over a you know a glass of a beverage of our choice, but when we do so, you know, I think it's, it's important to realize that they're not subject matter experts when it comes to religion. And most of them, if they ever did practice religion, you know, probably gave it up when they were about 13 or so. And so they're left with a 13-year-old's understanding of of the, you know, of this immense, immense thing. You know, I know you've written a lot of books, and, and that's wonderful, and I just wrote my first, and that's the only one I may ever write. Um, <laughs> But, but, you know, what they say, you know, I, I trade, and, and I'm sure you believe this, you know, if you could trade, a, you know, a one reader 100 years from now for 100 readers tomorrow, you would do that in a second, because it would mean your ideas are timeless. And in the case of something like, you know, Stephen Hawking, the late, great Stephen Hawking, who wrote a book, A Brief History of Time, that book, um, you know, I hope it's not relevant in 100 years, because I hope that we've made tremendous scientific progress. Right. But if you look at the Bible, the Bible had to speak through. 30 centuries ago, and it has to speak 30 centuries from now. How many books can do that? Yeah. And so when people and my colleagues, brilliant you know, men and women, when they reject it because, it, you know, and they erect a straw man and, and burn it down, that's the problem that I have with them, and that they were so willing to accept the lack of evidence for something in which, you know, really may never be provable, not even has no evidence now, but may not be physically impossible to prove. It's, it's a little bit nervous and nerve-wracking for me. Brian Keating, he is the author of a new book, uh, Losing the Nobel Prize. And I want to talk to him about that book because it's it's interesting to see how uh, the the inner workings of science uh, and the pursuit of the Nobel Prize. Um, We'll continue our conversation here in just a second. Let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. We want to thank my Patriots Supply for bringing uh, this portion of the program to you. FEMA is not a first responder. This seems like common sense, but to a lot of people, it's not common sense. That's why FEMA themselves, the deputy director said, I want you to know, we're not the first responder. You are the first responder. So once you really understand that, that, you know, there's nobody coming to bail you out right away. We'll do our best, but you've got to take care of yourself for, for perhaps the first few days. You start to understand why food preparation, uh, emergency, you know, uh, kits are really important to have for your family. Right now, My Patriot Supply is offering a four-week emergency food supply. It doesn't matter what's happened. Doesn't matter if it's a you know a breakdown of society, a snowstorm, an earthquake, whatever it is. You need to feed your family. So have a a pack of food that is easy to grab and go that you can feed your family with for $99. Four-week emergency food supply that's breakfast, lunch, and dinner for one person for four weeks is $99. Do it now. Preparewithglenn.com or call 800-200-7163. or preparewithglenn.com. Glenn Beck. Mercury. 
Glenn Beck. So today, uh, there's a lot of talk of uh, the possibility of President Trump winning a uh, peace prize, a Nobel Peace Prize, um, because uh, hostages have been released in North Korea. Looks like we're on the right track for peace there. A lot of people are poo-pooing this, but it, he's already accomplished more than Barack Obama did when he got a Nobel Peace Prize for his hopes and aspirations, uh, which I think was kind of a low point for the Nobel uh, Prize, but uh, who am I to judge? Uh, Brian Keating has, has just written a book called Losing the Nobel Prize. This is a story of, of actual science and what the award was actually uh, deemed to uh, promote. And it starts with something that you created with your team called uh, BICEP. Can you tell me what BICEP is? Yeah, BICEP is a telescope. uh, And like all telescopes, it's also a time machine. So, you know, light travels extremely rapidly. It's the fastest uh, velocity that that anything can possibly reach. uh, And yet it's not infinite. So when we look back in space, we're seeing things the way that they were not instantaneously. So you remember, or you've seen footage, you're not old enough maybe to remember, but the moon landings, uh, the astronauts would communicate back and forth with radios, and it would take about a second and a half to get to the moon because the moon's a quarter million miles away. So that delay is a responsibility uh, of the uh, finite speed of light. So what happens is, and radio waves are just another form of light. Uh, so what, what happens is when you look back in space, you're looking back in time. What I wanted to do with this telescope and my colleagues and I wanted to do is build a telescope that could look back where there's no moons in the way, there's no sun in the way, there's no planets or stars or galaxies or anything else in our way. And then you could look back, theoretically, to the beginning of time. And if we were to do so, we were told not only would we capture really the birth pangs of the Big Bang, you know, what what caused the Big Bang to bang, if you will, uh, but we would also uh, most assuredly receive a Nobel Prize for the efforts. And it took us to the very bottom of the world, the telescope bicep. It's an acronym um, that's not worth getting into here, but the acronym uh, really referred to the, the job of the telescope was to measure these patterns called curl patterns in this ancient heat left over from the Big Bang called the cosmic microwave background. And so if we did that, the, uh, the telescope had to be brought to a very special place. And it was in this case, it was brought to the very bottom of the world, the South Pole, Antarctica. And so I describe in the book what it's like to go to the South Pole. You know, currently in the South Pole, the entire continent of Antarctica, you know, there's only about a thousand people on an entire continent, much bigger than the state of Texas. Um, And so it's quite a a forbidding location to go to. And we built it there because the telescope needs to be in a place that's very dry and very cold. And the South Pole is very cold, and it's also at uh, 10,000 feet above sea level. So it's very dry and above most of the water vapor in our atmosphere. So it made the perfect perch to search for the Big Bang's earliest aftershocks. So did you find them? We did find them. We, you know, it's surprising. When you go out and look for something, oftentimes you find it, even if you're a dispassionate scientist. Well, we didn't know at the time, and we made this big announcement on St. Patrick's Day 2014. It was covered you know, above the fold, as they say, in every major newspaper in the world, uh, because it was, it was thought to be you know, as far back in human history, in not human history, in cosmic history, that human beings could ever glimpse. And, uh, and immediately the Nobel whispers began. Uh, unfortunately, what turned out to happen is that 
our discovery was uh, was sort of mixed with with a signal that comes not from the cosmos, not from the Big Bang, but from what's called dust. So so I know you have kids, I have kids, and you know a cloud of dust surrounds your kids at all times. At least they do for my boys. <laughs> and and when that is, but it's not the same dust that's in the Milky Way galaxy. And this is a special type of dust. This is dust in our galaxy that was produced from the death explosion of a star called a supernova. And what's so poetic about it is, you know, just like the uh, the, the Bible accounts, you know, the, the you know ashes to ashes, dust to dust. So the dust that that you know the Bible poetically and metaphorically speaks of as being the formation of human beings, actually true. So there's actually flowing through your veins, your listeners' veins right now, is stardust, and it's stardust that was created in the beginning of time when when the universe, uh, or not in the beginning of time, when our galaxy produced a star that exploded and spewed forth this iron that that uh, now is the hemoglobin inside of your blood. So in our, in our bodies flows dust, and in the cosmos does too, and this dust obscured the signal that we were looking for. So we eventually, embarrassingly, had to retract our discovery, mm. and our Nobel dreams literally turned to dust. And so your concern about the Nobel Prize is that uh, it's, it's become What? It's become very politicized, become very vaunted as, as societies, not just science's ultimate accolade, but on all of, so, all of society. There's nothing as prestigious as a Nobel Prize, which is why there's so much controversy, you know, uh, heaven forbid that, that Donald Trump would win a Nobel Prize. You know, he would join the likes of, you know, Yasser Arafat and, 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 and <laughs> <laughs> or, or, all these know, other great men. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, I, you know, I would, I would advise him not to hold his breath because it's, I, I doubt it's likely. I was asked to nominate the winners of the Nobel Prize two years ago. And when I did so, I found out a whole bunch of scary things that the Nobel Prize Committee was doing that were really sullying the literal noble vision, L.E. vision of Alfred Nobel. And it really troubled me. So I set out in part, the book is written not only that the way to describe the way that my team lost our own Nobel Prize, but that parts of the Nobel Prize and maybe even the Nobel Prize itself needs to be lost. Because of what it's doing to science and society. Wow. Currently, right now, there's a sex scandal rocking the Nobel Prize in literature. There's a financial crimes investigation unit probing it. They might cancel the Nobel Prizes. From wow. The orders. Wow. I, I, I have to tell you, I cannot wait to read the book. It's called <laughs> Losing the Nobel Prize. Brian Keating is the author and esteemed scientist that lost the Nobel Prize. Uh, and you can pick his book up. It's available everywhere now. Losing the Nobel Prize. Thanks, Brian. Glenn Beck Mercury You're listening to the Glenn Beck program. So yesterday on the program we told you about Seattle's new head tax. Now, what is a head tax? Well, a head tax is for any company that makes over $20 million a year uh, and not in profit, but in, you know, in sales that they generate $20 million or more. That's 586 companies in Seattle. What they've done is they've said that there is a about a $520 tax per employee. So. If you make over $20 million a year in your company, not profit, you just make over $20 million, you now have a new tax. If there's only one of you in that company, it's not so bad. It's, five, it's $500 or 526 
But if you're a company like Amazon, that's a $21 million tax every year. Now, let's just think of the free market here for a second. Who the hell is going to build a big business in Seattle? I wouldn't. An insane person? Yeah. I mean, there's lots of other places we can do it. I mean, why would you do it there? Oh, you remember when we used to have a studio, uh, one right across the street from Philadelphia, and they had a tax, uh, a city wage tax in Philadelphia, and we built it on the other side of the road in Bella Kinwood. Called which, City Line Avenue. Right. And every, and you looked, at least back when we were there, you could drive down that road and one side of the street had basically no businesses and the other side of the street had tons and tons of businesses because everyone chose to build their their business on the other side of the street and give all the business and all the tax revenue that would come in uh, to, to Balakinwood. And, you know, does that make any sense? I mean, yeah, as a as a business, it makes a hell of a lot of logical sense. Why wouldn't you? And the Seattle's going to find the same thing. I mean, they've done so many things in the fifteen dollar minimum wage, and now this weight, this this tax. Why would you go to Seattle? I want you to listen. I want you to listen to this story. I want you to listen for the arrogance and the stupidity of Seattle. Okay, Seattle City Council considering a new head tax to be imposed on businesses with annual taxable receipts of more than. 200 million. I'm sorry, I thought it was 20 million. 200 million. Mm-hmm. The move would cost Amazon over 20 million dollars at the rate of 26 cents per employee per hour as proposed. So per uh, per employee per hour times 40 hours times 50 weeks. It's it's about uh it's about 526. This proposal has caused Amazon to halt construction of a huge project in downtown Seattle. Amazon's vice president said, quote, I can confirm that the pending pending the outcome of the head tax vote by city council, Amazon has paused all construction planning on our Block 18 project in downtown Seattle and is reevaluating the options to sublease all of the space in our recently leased Rainier Square building. More than 45,000 people in Seattle are employed by Amazon. The city hopes to raise $75 million annually with a new tax in order to provide affordable housing and additional services for the homeless. Roughly 585 businesses would face this targeted tax. City Council member Shashma Schwant, which I swear to you is I think the only way I can pronounce I think that I just I think it sounds like a Maybe a Muppet name, but I think it's Schwajma Schwant. Well, I would say the last name is Sawant. 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 The first name's a little more difficult, <laughs> but you could go Shama or Kashama. There's probably like three or four of those letters are silent. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, uh, <laughs> she said the the council meeting on Wednesday in response to Amazon's move that it was critical that we not accept this extortion. She referred to the tax as pocket change for these businesses and added that Amazon is perfectly capable of paying that, paying double or even four times that amount. Now, why in the hell would you ever? I mean, I mean, at least with Woodrow Wilson, with the income tax, he said it'll never be over 7%. These people are saying they can afford it even four times the amount. Mm. 
if they take this tax now, you think they're going to stop at $526 per employee? Another council person in support of the proposal, Mark uh, Michael Bryan, said, I understand Amazon doesn't like it. I'm sure they'd love to go to a city that has no taxes, and maybe they'll find that place. Oh, my gosh. If I were Amazon, if I were Jeff Bezos today, I would say, pack your crap and let's go. And here's why. The arrogance of Seattle. It's a city that is supposed to do right by its people. You have one of the biggest employers in all of your city, and you're saying, pack your crap and get out. I remember Rainier Square. I grew up there. There wasn't always, Seattle wasn't always, Seattle is the place that has the first skid row. I remember my mother taking me to Pike, uh, Pike Place Market when they were thinking about tearing it down because it was an eyesore. And I remember my mother and my family being pariahs because we thought, you know, the city could, you know, do something. Private industry could do something and make things a lot better if you just let private industry do something. She used to tell me all the time, do you, can you imagine what this place would be like? I mean, here I am. I'm like eight years old. She's walking around Skid Row and Pike Place Market when it was full of thieves and killers. Still kind of is, but in a different way. Anyway, uh, and she had that vision. Seattle, don't get so arrogant to think that you can't collapse. You start doing this to companies, you're going to find a ghost town. Yeah. They will find. Think of this. You know what they're doing? They're calculating. Well, they've got all that money. They've already started construction on their new thing. Well, let me think. And wouldn't that also be pocket change to Amazon? Especially when that is a one-time expense. Let's say they have twenty million. Let's say they have forty million into it. Why not walk away? I could lose forty million now, or I could lose a minimum of forty million over the next two years in this tax. And they got me. Once we move in, we're there. Once we build everything out. What do you say we lose the 40 million now? We just walk away. Let's go find a place. If I were Jeff Bezos, Seattle would be done. Done today. If they pass this. Yeah, if they pass this. I mean, but it, I have to tell you, as a business owner, I might not even I might wait not. for that because <laughs> they could pass that at any time. They could pass it next year. And this is the thing. It's when you move all of these jobs in, when you move, you build these facilities, you're making a commitment to the town. You're making a commitment to the city. And if I, especially if you have the power of Bezos and Amazon, you see what they're doing around the country with, with talking, you know, the way they're shopping around their next facility. You almost want to guarantee that this stuff's not going to happen after you move in. They suckered them into starting to build this uh, facility. And then right after they start construction and they're in the middle of doing it and they're spending all this money, they say, oh, by the way, we're going to charge you a lot more. What other business is that okay if you go, you, you can't buy a car and you've been driving it around for a month and all of a sudden they say, by the way, the, the, you know, the, the payment's going to be, you know, $300 more. Sorry. Like, that's insanity. It's, it's completely unfair to a business trying to do, uh, do something good for the community, right? I mean, you, 
you, you think they so look they at the way these, rich, the cities they around hate the, rich people. Yeah, look at the way the cities around the country are recruiting Amazon. They're bending yes. over backwards in ways that probably aren't right either to lure them into their cities. Yeah, but Stu, you could see the mountain today. It's so beautiful today. Yeah, it's beautiful and you can see the mountain maybe 25 days a year. <laughs> the rest of the time, it's depressing and rainy. I mean, highest suicide rate in the States. Oh, why do you think that is? Because you can never see the beauty because it's always cloudy and rainy. That's why it's a great place to live. Seattle is one of the most beautiful cities naturally. The most beautiful city, I think, in America. It is fantastic. But I'm sorry, I, I'm not, I've got to run a business. I have responsibility to my shareholders. I have a responsibility to the teachers fund. All of you socialist teachers, your retirement, that's all in a fund. And I can guarantee you it is highly invested in Amazon. So are all you socialist teachers willing to take a hit to your retirement fund? You might have to work a few years longer because they're going to pay this huge tax because they can afford it. Now, that'll hurt their stock price, but they're being responsible. Are you happy about this with your retirement fund? Think it through. Yeah, Seattle is really going after business with the passion of a serial killer. They are meticulous. They're methodical. They're picking apart any any reason to do business in the city. Yeah. Well, they're just so far left. They are just yeah. so far left. Um, listen to this one. I think we're at the place of now shove and almost to shoot. Okay. Remember, first you have to, you know, you try to convince. Then you nudge. Then you have to, sh- uh, then you shout. Then you have to shove. Then you shoot. That's the progression of progress when you're when your ideas don't make sense and don't meet the market's needs listen to this afl-cio now demands that people never use the self-serve checkout a growing concern across the globe that automation will lead us to a dystopian future with robots becoming ubiquitous on every aspect of our life the marketplace will be filled with cheap goods but the consuming population can't acquire them because they don't have a job it's a legitimate worry for millions of people especially when you see the countless videos and news articles about a robot flipping hamburgers etc etc and one of the latest doom and gloom alarmist in wisconsin chapter is the AFL-CIO, which is griping about self-service checkouts. It's not convenient for me to help corporations fire workers. They just raise their profits. I stand in line when the line's backed up. The store calls for more cashiers to the front. If we keep doing it, they'll need to hire more people. Never, ever use self-checkout. Okay, well, this is the beginning of another prediction. That I have said, because jobs are going to be lost, progressives, you know, the ones who embrace the future, are going to turn on the future. They're going to turn on the things that make your life easier, make your life faster, make your life better. Like, I don't know. Mm, Let's think of a couple of things. Self-checkout or Amazon. And they'll demonize them. Because, well, they're taking away jobs. Those jobs are never coming back. They're not coming back. 
And we have to get a grip on that right now. We have to stop demonizing China and stop demonizing uh, Silicon Valley and progress. This is like going back into time. These progressives are the people that would have been saying, you're going to put the horse and buggy business out of business. We, we've got to swear allegiance to the horse and buggy business. Don't ever buy a car, I'm telling you right now. Because all these jobs will be lost. Don't you get a cotton gin. Don't you do it. All those jobs will be lost. All those slaves will then be free to do other things. Well, what will they do? Well, you know they'll turn on us, so you better keep them busy. Don't buy a cotton gin. Any of this sound progressive to you? Progressives Always stand in the way of freedom of thought and freedom to progress to the next exciting place. AFL-CIO, don't use checkout. Why? Because they're not taking you forward. Seattle, better do a tax because they can afford it. They can afford four times that tax. And besides... Amazon, it's going to eventually kill a lot of jobs. Look, there's no bigger fan of you than your mom. And Mother's Day is not this Sunday. I want to make that really clear because we were thinking about when is Mother's Day? And somebody said Sunday and I'm like, oh, my gosh, don't panic. It's next Sunday, not this Sunday, but You will panic next week when I remind you it's Sunday. So take that off your plate right now. Nobody, nobody is your bigger fan than your mother. She has done so much for you. Show her how much you appreciate her uh, by by going to 1-800-Flowers.com and get ahead of the Mother's Day rush. You're going to save some money on 24 beautiful multicolored roses. They're only $24. It's $24. For twenty four, it's a dollar per rose. I can guarantee you, it's not. It's going to cost more next week because the demand will be up. So twenty four for twenty four. Do it right now. Don't put it off. This offer is over tonight, so you have to make the call today. One eight hundred flowers dot com. You go to the website one eight hundred flowers dot com. You click on the radio icon and enter the promo code back. 1-800-Flowers.com, promo code back, 24 for 24. It offer, the offer expires tonight. Glenn Beck Mercury. Glenn Beck. You know, the AFL-CIO, this is, you know, asking people, don't use self-checkout because it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt jobs. Do you know who that is? That's not a crazy idea to the left. Do you remember when the president said it's these kiosks and these ATM machines that are cutting out jobs? Oh, Obama, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Making your life easier, having society progress, having a business make progress making it easier, letting the free market work it out and say, you know what, I think if we put a kiosk up, everybody would like our airline better because there's no lines. And progressives saying, no, 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 don't do that. That's evil. It's true. I mean, I think, you know, 
there's a lot of reasons why Trump beat Hillary Clinton, but Hillary Clinton taking a stand against things like Uber was an underreported one. Yes. Like, I mean, this is the future. Yes. People are excited about it. They yes. love it. And progressives are going to become the anti-future people. Mark my mm-hmm. word. They are going to be the one that turns on science and turns on technology. Glenn Beck. Mercury. Mercury.